Well, good evening. I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. We're going to start off um, with uh, a little bit of a kid's sermon. So if your kids want to, so kindergarten through fifth graders should be in here. If you guys want to, you guys can come up, sit down, and I've got one of you is going to get a cool gift. All of you are going to get something, so it's worth it, maybe. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you guys just have a seat. Hopefully it's clean enough. Thanks, Leslie. All right, I'm just going to push this garland back here. Sorry. All right. I've got some stuff here. I didn't really prep it very well, so hang on one second. Hi, Alethea. How are you? Good. Oops. Who knows what this is? This is a classic, right? Like, I was thinking about like toys that like have always existed, and I think this is one of them. So we're gonna do something today. We're gonna do, like team up a little bit because we're gonna tell the story of Jesus, his birth. Okay. So for every person in the story, we're gonna put some piece in here, and I get to pick the piece because otherwise this will take forever. Okay. So if you tell me somebody. Anybody that was in the, the, the story of Jesus' birth, that you guys probably know, Jericho. Mary. Mary. Stuck it. That was an easy one. Good. All right. You get a right arm. Joseph. Okay. We're going to see if this works out because I don't know. All right. We got a left arm. Yes, Scarlett. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> easy kill on that one. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, yes, darling. Eve. Your theology is actually really good. It's like back in, in the gym. I'll give it to you. Yeah, no one. Gabriel. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Nope, can't put that on by itself. Um, I haven't done this in a while. I don't even know what this one is. Um, That's an ear. It's an ear. <laughs> Hang on. I put the arms in the ear spot. Okay. Uh, anyway, that works. All right, we got an ear. What else? Three wise men. I like it. Now I know this is another ear, so let me move this arm. Maybe the ear's supposed to go there. That fits better. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Who else? Anybody? Yeah. The shepherds, good work, good work. Starting to challenge. We're gonna do. We're gonna do glasses. Okay. What's that? Well, I know. It's because we haven't. Hang on. All right. We'll leave that there. All right. Scarlet again. Angels. Okay. I like it. We're gonna go. Going to find a mouth. <laughs> is that a mouth? That's not a mouth. What is it? We're going to do a nose. <laughs> I know where the nose is. All right. Yes, sir. You forgot? Honestly, I haven't been keeping track, and so now I'm a little bit, I don't know what we've gotten or not. The manger. The ma That's not a person, though. It's good. 
The animals? All right. We'll do, we'll do animals. Seriously, I don't know where the mouth is. Oh, hang on. This is a tongue, right? Does that work? All right. All right. So we're going to, so, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. I don't have anything else to put on them, though. All right. So this worked out well because they ended up adding up, and I didn't know what you guys were going to say. So, so you guys know the story, right? What if one of those pieces of the story weren't there? Then what happens? It does, right? Like it's, it is. It's a whole different story. And it's not the same story, right? If, if Gabriel hadn't come, it's definitely not as good. Don't take the eyes out. But, but this is, it's important that all those pieces of the story are, are in there, right? And where do we read these stories? Good. Thank you. Does anybody know the books of the Bible that we would find these in? You know? It's a challenging one. No one? For the same? Stuck it. Good job. What? Okay, good, good, good. So, so here's what I want you guys to understand, right? So we've got this story, and I think you guys know the story, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but honestly, I want you guys to go home and ask your parents about the story, okay? Because they know it. Oh. <laughs> um, and, and, it, and we sing these songs about Jesus' birth. Why? And that's what I want you guys, that was rhetorical, I'm sorry. We got we to gotta get into the adult part of the service. But I want you guys to think, as I'm going through today, tonight, as, I, as I'm preaching to the, the adults, I want you guys to be thinking as well, because what we're going to see is that you have to, I mean, this isn't Jesus, right? This is Mr. Potato Head. But, but Jesus has certain, there, there's parts of Jesus and what he brings to us that are important. And you can't just take out one part. You can't pick and choose. And that's what we're going to be talking about. You can't pick and choose part of the Christmas story, can you? It happened. And this is what the story was. All right. So who, who does not own a Mr. Potato Head? <laughs> I shouldn't have done this. I don't. <laughs> Melissa, I count on you to help me out with these things. All right. Um, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Wendy. All right. How about this? I'll just make you all happy with candy canes. Does that work? I win. I win. All right. There you guys go. There you go. Here. Pass them around. You already had one. How'd you get one? Uh, well, yeah. That was the Mr. Potato Head. But I don't. I don't know what to do. I didn't think this through, Jericho. Who else needs one? There you go, darling. All right. If you guys have a candy cane, you can get up and go back to your seats. If you don't have one, let me know, and I'll give you one. Everybody got one? Everybody get one? There you go, Caleb. All right. Now I got to figure out what I'm going to do with the Mr. Potato Head. 
<laughs> All right. So there was a point to that, right? And I, I think you guys hopefully picked up on it a little bit, but um, we're going to be talking this morning about, about Jesus and, and about who he is and what he brought and, and why we celebrate Christmas. I mean, because the reality is, is that everybody, not everybody, most people celebrate Christmas, almost independent of what they believe, right? Um, and so what, what we find, though, is that there's elements of Christmas, there's elements of Jesus that everybody likes. <laughs> everybody likes some aspects of Jesus. Everybody does. I mean, if you go across the world, right? Um, and, and in fact, even, even what we know about Jesus comes from the Bible, right? Like, this is, this is where we get the stories. This is where we get the historical record of who Jesus was. Now, there is a, a Jewish historian, Josephus, and he talked about that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, and he was crucified by the Romans. That's, that's his contribution. So he validates what the Bible says. Tacitus is a Roman historian. Same thing. Jesus claimed to be this Messiah, and he was crucified. That's it. That's all we have from an extra-biblical record of who Jesus was. So all those things, those people, and everything that we know about Jesus came from this. And there's so much more. That's just, that's just the base level, right? The story of Jesus' birth is simply what happened on that day, the one that we celebrate on December 25th, but whatever day that was, right? Like, on that day, something happened, and Jesus entered into history. And so what I have for us today is to go, why do I care? And why, honestly, do we celebrate this? Why are you all here? Now, maybe some of you got dragged here, and it's Christmas Eve Eve, right? So sometimes... That's the case. And I, and I hope that, that in the context of this discussion tonight, I hope that you'll see a part of Jesus that, that maybe you hadn't heard before, but just like the Mr. Potato Head, those words have never gone together before in the history of humanity, I believe. <laughs> but just like the Mr. Potato Head, these are all the stories and the surrounding accounts and the words that Jesus said. And so if you're going to take one piece of what Jesus said, you got it from here, and then you need to look at the rest of the things that Jesus said. And that's what we're going to do tonight. But first, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open up your word and read from it and hear your words to us. I pray, Father, that this evening that you would Help us to see you in, in a new light. Help us to see you for who you really are. Refresh us. And for those of us who have known you and worshipped you in the past, I pray that you would make it new. For those of us in here who have not, I pray that you would open their eyes, open their ears, help them to see and hear with an honest heart, and to hear your words this evening. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
All right, we're going to start in the book of John, um, and I'm going to do a little review. So we started this in the beginning of December, right? Um, And the first thing that we talked about was that Jesus brought hope. We celebrate Jesus because he brought hope, right? If you, if you look at John chapter 1, the verses are going to be on the screen. If you guys have a Bible, you can open that up or on your phone or whatever. Um, but we're going to start in John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus brings hope. He brought hope. His his birth, and we talked about this, right, for for 4,000 years, God had been talking about this Messiah that was going to come. When Adam and Eve fell, and and God explains to them what the natural consequences of their sins and rebellion was going to be, he gives them a promise. It's in Genesis 3.15, and he says that there's going to be one that's going to come, that's going to destroy Satan and his deceitful schemes, and and that he is going to remove the temptations of sin, and that he's going to demolish the fear of death that we have. And that's what he says is going to happen. That was 6,000 years ago. And then we see that over time, God reveals in Scripture more and more about this one that was going to come, this Messiah, this Christ, this rescuer. And he ends up saying that he's going to be a son of David. He's going to be born of a virgin. He ends up saying that, that he's going to somehow give us his righteousness. Like, like his credit, his, his righteousness, his goodness is going to somehow be transferred to us. And this is what the Jews for 4,000 years were wondering, how is this going to happen? And he, and he said that it was going, his name was going to be called Emmanuel. God with us, that somehow God was going to dwell with humanity. And so all of these things, we, we, they heard and they hoped and wondered and longed for the Savior. And so when Jesus is born, God fulfilled his promise. That's why we celebrate, right? Because, because in that, he brought us hope. What's the hope? What does it mean that God did all that? What does it mean? It means that God cares about us for whatever reason. He cares about us. It means that he's sovereign, that he had a plan, and he had the capacity to accomplish that plan over 4,000 years. That's impressive. This is, these are the things that this tells us, and it tells us that God loves us. And so what we read here in John is that he gave the right. We talk a lot about rights these days, (laughs) especially in America, right? What are our rights? He gave you the right to become a child of God. You can't earn it. You can't. 
He says, those who believed in his name, who trusted in Jesus. And so he brings us hope. He wants us to trust him. That's it. That's that's what all this is about. God wants us to trust him. And so what does he do? He goes, hey, I promise you in 4,000 years, he didn't say the timeline, right? But he goes, I promise you I'm going to send a savior. And then he did. We go, is he trustworthy? Yeah. Is he faithful? Yeah. So we celebrate Jesus' birth because he brought hope. But we also celebrate his birth because he brought justice. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? And we read in Isaiah 42 that, that Jesus was going to come, or that this Savior, this Messiah was going to come, and he was going to come softly and gently, that he wouldn't even like burn out a wick, like a candle wick. Like that's how gentle he was going to be, and yet somehow this gentleness was going to bring justice. And so that was confusing and perplexing, and how would this happen? But we see and we saw when we read through Isaiah 42 that, in fact, he did that. In fact, how did he bring justice? Because we would look around right now and go, well, we're still waiting, right? We're still waiting for justice. There's still plenty of injustice out there. We probably all experienced injustice on our drive on the way home, right? We experienced injustice, deep injustice, inside of our culture, desperate circumstances for some. And so how can we say that Jesus brought justice? Well, if Jesus came and he brought justice in the moment, who of us would be declared innocent? Who here hasn't done anything? Please let me know because... That means you're somebody really special, and we need to know about it. You see, if Jesus came and just laid down justice, we would all be goners. He would not be our rescuer. He would be our destroyer. You guys get that, right? This is a fundamental understanding that that I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do. Who's with me? (laughs) Right? And so... If, if God was going to come and just waylay down justice, I'm, I'm a goner. But what does he do? He sends Jesus. He sends a rescuer who's also going to bring justice at the same time. And this is a beautiful thing. How does he do it? He justifies us. Turn over to uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? He justifies us. This is the great exchange. We celebrate Jesus' birth because he exchanged his righteousness for our sinfulness. He took his obedience and swapped it with our rebellion. He took all the penalty of our sin and gave us innocence. That's, that's, that's what he says when he says, do you believe, do you trust in him? That's it. Because you have no other way of getting rid of your sin. No amount of good deeds, nothing covers or fixes your sin. You can't, you can't, you can, you can ask for forgiveness, you can say, I'm sorry. But the deed was still done. The injury still occurred. 
And you're certainly not going to be batting a thousand on asking for forgiveness for every single thing you've done, right? And so what does he say here? He's like, you've been justified. And so Jesus comes. We celebrate Jesus bringing justice because he brings the first step, the one that gives us the ability to survive, the ability for us to be rescued was Jesus coming, was his birth, because he justifies us. But not only that, what does Jesus say? In John chapter 17, he, he leaves and he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit as a deposit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit gives us eyes and ears, allows us to see the world the way God sees the world, and allows us to fight against injustice the way God fights against injustice. It causes us to, to love the things that God loves, and he causes us to hate the things that God hates. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so when we see injustice out there, we're justice makers. We ought to be going out and fighting for the oppressed, fighting for those people that are distressed and abandoned. That's what we ought to be about. That's what we're called to be about. And so what he does is he says, he says listen, this, this is what you're going to be doing in your life. And so when we celebrate Jesus, we're celebrating the fact that he gave us the ability to be his hands and feet in this world and to go and to pursue justice. Now, we don't do that. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We don't do that thinking that world peace is right around the corner. The world is trying to establish justice and just one more step, one more law, one more thing and that's going to solve the problem. But we know that selfishness and rebellion exist within each one of us. The only thing that would solve the problem is for our hearts, all of our hearts, to be changed. And that is what God is doing through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate Jesus because of that justice. We celebrate Jesus because he brought us freedom. And BJ talked a little bit about this last week, going through Isaiah 61, and he talks about that, that he's going to release the captives. He's going to set the captives free. And, and if you go into the world, they're going to go, yes, we want to be free. America, America's free. Let's be like them, right? That's not the freedom God's talking about. It's not it at all. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 17. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. We're slaves to sin. That's the freedom that Jesus gives us. That, that the guilt and the shame that goes along with sin as followers of Christ, we don't have it. We shouldn't have it. Because what do we do? We confess and we repent and the blood of Christ covers us, right? right? Jesus, that exchange, Jesus takes that sin from us and he gives us innocence. And so we go, thank God 
I don't have to sit there and dwell in it and maybe, maybe try to just be a better person because if I'm, if I'm a better person, I'll cover over and I'll fix that problem that I just created. Because no, that's not it at all. That's not the freedom you need. The freedom that you need is a freedom from being a slave to sin. Now, that doesn't mean we don't sin anymore. But it means that we can repent and we can turn from it. And God's faithful and just and forgives us. And we move on. That's freedom. We're not carrying around that baggage. We're not, we're not chained to that. And in fact, it's actually quite beautiful because he actually says we're going to become slaves to righteousness. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but that's a beautiful thing to be a slave to. Jesus' birth gives us new life. You see, everybody likes me saying Jesus gives us freedom and justice and hope, right? Nobody in here was like, yeah, I don't know if I like that. We all like it. The whole world likes it. Like the Mr. Potato Head. They, all, they like those pieces. It's easy. But that's not all. That's not, that's not the whole story of Jesus, right? So much of the world will take the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and go, that's the Jesus I like. That's the Jesus I like because, because it's, a, it's a moral Jesus. It's a Jesus that, that tells me like what I should do. It's a self-help Jesus. It's, it's just this little bit of Jesus, but it's not the whole thing. It's not the whole piece of Jesus. It's not the whole story. We got to put the whole thing together. turn over to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. See, because Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give you justice. And then in, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, he, it says that then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. See, Jesus brings this justice, right? But then he says, just keep forgiving. Well, that's not just. <laughs> it's not what I want. I mean, I want, I want mercy for myself, but I want justice for you all. Isn't that how we live our lives? I always have an excuse or a reason for why I did what I did. But you guys are just horrible people. Isn't, isn't that how we live life? Isn't that what we think? And what does Jesus say? He goes, he goes I, I want you to live for justice, but I want you to forgive them incessantly. You never stop forgiving. And then he, he ends up saying that in, in Luke 6.36, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Well, this doesn't sound like the justice we were just talking about, Jesus, because I thought you were righting wrongs and you were fixing things, and as long as I was a good person and I did the right things, then things would work out, and you would just part the seas, and, and everybody that was against me and opposed to me would just get out of the way, and I could just live life. That's just. He goes, no, no, in fact, everybody's going to be in your way. Everybody's going to offend you. 
and you're going to have conflict at your work and in your marriage and in your house. And with your family over Christmas, you're going to have conflict. And he says, forgive. And then forgive again. And then forgive again. So that family member that's coming to your house here in two days, he says, forgive. Just reading what I, just saying what I read. And then we, and we, then we look at the, the freedom part of this, and we go, yeah, Jesus, we love freedom. And then in Matthew 16, 24, it says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I like the freedom thing, Jesus. It was good. I like the idea of not being a slave and like I could, whatever I wanted to do, I could do and I could just live free. And he says, no, you can now follow me. No, don't just follow me. You need to bear your cross. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. But I need you to trust me and follow me. You see, in both of these respects, what, what Jesus is saying is that that justice and that freedom and the hope, they come with obedience. They come with following Christ. Because Jesus promises us a new life. A new life. Like com- completely separate. If you turn over to Galatians 2.20. My favorite verse, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live. What Paul's saying here is that that there's there's a difference. There's the life before and there's the life now. And this life looked one way, but but this life is characterized by justice-seeking and freedom from sin and following Christ and bearing your cross and forgiving. That's the new life. And there's peace in that life. And there's contentment in that life. See, It all comes wrapped up together. And so if we think that we're going to get the justice and the freedom, but we don't have to do the obedience or we don't have to actually follow Christ, we can just continue living our lives pretty much the way they were except for Sunday mornings. It's not what the Bible says. The life I now live. Jesus' birth, we celebrate it because it demonstrates his authority. And this is probably when, when, when you get, when you move across everything else, when it really comes down to it, we celebrate Jesus' birth because he's God. <laughs> I mean, 
Let's just, let's just push away all of the, the, the Christianese and the, and the words and, the, and the, the difficulties of understanding this. Turn over to John chapter 8. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 51. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. Let me just stop. Everything you've ever heard Jesus say, that you know what Jesus has said has come from Scripture. Whether, whether you like this or not, that's where this has come from. And I would be happy to talk to you about the veracity of Scripture and why this is authentic and infallible and inerrant in its original manuscripts and why it's trustworthy and why it's the very word of God to us. Because I believe that to be true. And so when, when we read this, when you, when you go, oh, well, I think that, I, I love it when Jesus says, Love your neighbors yourself. Great, cool. I do too. Listen to what else he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Well, who in the world does Jesus think he is? And that was the response. Verses 52 through 57 are going to be the people going, whoa, 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 dude. And they probably took a step back waiting for a lightning bolt to strike him. Because you can't say that. I can't say that. <laughs> None of you can say that. But Jesus said that. And then look at what it says in verse 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. You see, what the, what the Jews said in between there, he goes, you're never going to see death. And they go, who are you to say this? You're, you're, you're a kid. You're 30 years old. How can you possibly say this? Because Abraham died. He's the father of our faith. Moses died. Everybody's died. How can you say that we're not going to die? Who are you to say this? And what does Jesus respond with? He goes, before Abraham was, I am. What he was saying, that's the name of God. I am. It's the same name that that God tells Moses how he should refer to him. Yahweh or Yehovah, we don't even know how it's pronounced actually, but, but whatever that is, he says, before Abraham was, I am. I existed before Abraham did, I'm just here right now. And you can read that in Philippians chapter two where it talks about how Jesus existed in heaven. In fact, all of creation existed because it was created through him. And then he says, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I am better than Abraham. I created Abraham. And there's no, if, there's, if there's any confusion, they clarify what he means by that in verse 59. How did they respond? So they picked up stones to throw at him. They understood what he was saying. They understood very clearly what he was saying. He wasn't just saying that he was really old. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. You see, only God could orchestrate the events of 4,000 years to bring a baby in a manger in Nazareth. Nazareth. Only God could, could orchestrate Caesar Augustus's prideful desire to conduct a census that would then bring Joseph and Mary at the time that she was about to give birth to the very city that the Messiah had to be born in. 
See, only God could orchestrate these things. Only God could keep the throne of David alive in the midst of a Babylonian exile. In the midst, how, I mean, how in the world did the, the tribes of Israel survive? Because God wanted them to. Because there's authority. Because he's sovereign. Only God could make us blameless. Only God could exchange our sin for righteousness. We can't do this. It's God's authority. He chose to do this. We celebrate Jesus' birth because he's God in flesh. He's the son of God. And he came, as was planned, in order to rescue you and me, to reconcile us to God. That's nothing that we can do. Only God can do that. And then the very last piece of this is that we celebrate Jesus' birth because he brings us hope. He brought us hope, but he brings us hope. Again, if you look at John chapter 14, listen to what Jesus says. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am going, you may be also. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Jesus' birth because that means that God's going to accomplish his plan. It means Jesus is going to come back. It means that justice, final, full, complete justice, is going to happen. That freedom, the, the inner tension you have in your life of, of how to live and, and how to respond and the, the thoughts and feelings that you have that you know you shouldn't have that are, that are bad, all that, he says, is going to be gone. And we can read through that in, in Revelation about like what this new heaven and earth is going to be like. But, but what God promises us is that Jesus is going to come back. And so we have a hope. Our hope isn't in our jobs. Our hope isn't in who we are, what we do. Our hope isn't in our spouses or our kids, our success. I know that's what all of our hope is actually in. That's what we struggle with, right? Because I feel content because of the circumstances of my life. I think we all struggle with this because my contentment isn't entirely on Christ. It should be, but it's not. And so what God promises us that is that at some point in the future, I don't know when, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus came, it was 4,000 years that they were waiting for the Messiah. I'm, I have no idea when he's going to be here. So if you were coming hoping I was going to say something, I'm not. Just joking. I hope you weren't coming. It's, we don't know when he's going to come back, but he gives us hope to endure. And he gives us peace and contentment in this world, knowing that it's only through Christ that we can get rid of our guilt and our shame. And we can follow him. See, this is why we celebrate Jesus. It's not just because it's a quaint little story about a baby being born in a manger. 
more than that. He's more than that. And so I just challenge us to think about Jesus for who he claims to be, who he is. Because either this is completely bogus and, and none of this had happened, which is, is not accurate, but if that's what you want to believe, then great. You might as well just think that Jesus didn't even exist. Or everything that Jesus says in here, he means, and he has the power to accomplish. That's what I believe. And so let's celebrate Jesus this week. Let's celebrate him our entire lives, because this, this, this is the, the climax of our celebration, because it's in this event that we see God intervene in humanity, because he loved us. Let me pray.